episode 14 and i'm pumped for this episode we got the u.s open week one we're moving into week two it's only me Stu is in here and you know what we've got a packed episode medvedev's taken on the u.s open crowd next gen's got some attitude problems and is there a road back for demi so i'm i'm pumped for this episode hopefully you guys are too and let's hop straight into it because jeesh this u.s open so with this U.S. Open, there's been a lot of things that I think, as tennis fans, we should all we should all acknowledge. Um, you know, it's been it's been pretty good to start off. I'm I'm not gonna lie, there's been a lot of storylines that I haven't expected that have happened, and you know, you always like that in a tennis tournament. Um, talk about a couple of these storylines. I feel like that went unexpected from everybody. Were Chilich? He's playing out of his mind, um, or he was playing out of his mind. He hasn't really had too much of a good run here, and you know, he ended up taking home a win and making it like I think he made it to all the way to the round of sixteen, maybe yeah, round of sixteen, and losing to um, Rafa Nadal. You know, that's not even that's not even a bad result at all. That is not a bad result. Another thing that should be noted is Berrettini. You know, he hasn't really played a lot of tennis at all this summer in the American hard court swing. And all of a sudden, you see Berrettini coming off. Uh, he got out as career high 17, and he's in the quarterfinals facing Malfi for a spot in the semis. If I'm Berrettini, I take that spot all day. You know, he even has a shot to win this whole thing. If he takes down Monfi, he just needs to beat Nadal, and then he's in the, the finals. Like, Berrettini, hats off to you. You're playing insane. Monfi, you know, semifinal. He's had another good summer. You look at the you look at the semifinal at the Rogers Cup, then semifinal or quarterfinal at the U.S. Open, and then again you look at Diego Schwartzman. This is probably his best career result. Semifinal at the U.S. Open. For farthest he's ever gotten at a major Diego Schwartzman you know hat off to you for that and and he's done so knocking off some big players you want you look at Alexander Zverev you look at tennis Sandgren you know so he's he's taking down some good guys on his way to on his way to his path to the quarterfinals and we'll see if he can take out Rafa my guess is not um but you know, you never you never really know that. And other players, I think you should uh, you guys should have kept some notes on were Medvedev. Like, can somebody please explain to me how at the beginning of the summer I said that he was overranked? Can somebody explain it to me? Because as of right now, he's in the semifinals of the U.S. Open with a win over Stan Wawrinka today, and he's now into the finals of Washington. The finals of Montreal, the finals of Cincinnati, the semifinals of the U.S. Open. Can somebody please like rank that among the runs that all tennis players have had besides Roger, Rafa, and Novak? Like Medvedev, you know he's been playing insane, and I can't believe I just overranked him. I said he was overranked. Like Sam, that is ridiculous. 
I just I need to get better. I'm gonna be honest. I need to get better. And Medvedev, he's really looking like he's the only one in this. You know, that's playing tennis right now that can challenge the top three for consistency. He's, you know, he's come, he's competing tournament after tournament after tournament, and. That's what a lot of these other guys, a lot of these young guys coming up can't do. They can't compete tournament after tournament after tournament, and they can't win them and consistently do well in them. But you see that in Medvedev. These are all huge tournaments. He's going far in all of them. You could almost see him sliding straight into being like as consistent as the Medvedev or as a Roger, as a Rafa, as a Novak, you know, getting that kind of you seeing that kind of win percentage out of him, I don't think is out of the question for Medvedev at all. And you look at Medvedev, and you could actually think that Medvedev, you know, realistically, he could be top three. He picks up wins at this win at this U.S. Open, and then he picks up maybe that Paris win at the end of the season, and he's flying into that Australian hot. So Medvedev, you know, he's playing insane. Um, but if Medvedev, or he's already won, so he's in the semifinals, he might have to come up against. They call him Darth Federer with that all black Uniqlo with the white, uh, white collar. Darth Federer is coming for you. You know, Federer he's, he's playing like a robot right now. Yeah, I know he's taking on Dimitrov right now. Federer, you know, he's playing playing. More, more than average, more than average. Federer, that's how he was playing. Like, so he's been on, he's been on fire. That Uniqlo makes him look like he's on fire. Makes him look like a villain. Makes him look like he's a beast. You know, I'm a Novak fan, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give some props to Federer and what he's doing out there in the U.S. Open. It's it's insane. He's literally just dominating everybody he sees. Um, he was. I know he talked a little bit earlier how he was concerned about how slow the surface was playing it was almost like clay and i personally think he's got to get over that a little bit you know the surface plays how the surface plays you sign up for the tournament if it's hardcore it's hardcore if it's you know the conditions are what they are they make the courts soft they make the courts hard they make the courts you know fast slow whatever they want it's like everybody's playing it on the playing on the same court and i really don't think anybody should be complaining about you know Oh, these courts are slow. These courts are fast. Whatever, whatever. Um, that's my that's my opinion. Uh, commenting on Uniqlo's outfit, we gotta take a look at Nike's outfits. Those things are so ugly. The purple, the black, the neon green color scheme. Can somebody please explain to me who the hell came up with that? Cause you know that might be some of the worst. Um, one of the worst color schemes going that Nike have had for any of these major tournaments. I, it's just, it's ridiculous to me that they would even ponder choosing something like that. And it's clearly not, not hitting, not selling well. Nobody likes it. So, you know, uh, Nike deserves that. Um, Andre Rublev made it make a good run. I was talking about Nike. That made me think of him. Andre Rublev, he's you know had another incredible summer he made a good run in this tournament and he's really cemented himself back up uh, amongst where he where he should be with all those next gen guys that he competed with not so long ago and good thing good thing for him um Pablo Andujar actually another another random story made a huge run in this tournament 
Not really, you know, I'm not one to brag about predictions at all, but I did predict Andujar in my bracket into the round of 16. Um, insane prediction. I'm not going to lie. I don't know why I thought that. I thought he was playing, had a decent, I was playing some decent hardcore tennis, so that's why I chose him. And, you know, he ended up making it all the way to the fourth round. As you can remember, that was a little bit of a shaky round with Bublik and team. And so... I was pretty surprised that Andujar ended up making it that far, but good for him. Get his career back vitalized. I think he's only won that one title in Marrakesh, so this would be a good payday for him, probably one of the better ones that he's collected at third or fourth round. So good for Andujar. Um, and one more minor thing I think that needs to be discussed about this U.S. Open that I haven't really talked about yet is... Bublik and Dan Evans, they're both sponsored by a company called Yoksoi Tennis, Y-O-X-O-I Tennis. And a couple, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, you could go, you could look it up and you would find their website and there was like no store or anything, no way to purchase any of their products. And you were really just forced to look at what their two items they had, the practice shirt and their training shirt. Those are the only two things you could look at. And... Um, you couldn't even buy either one. One thing that's to be noted, uh, a couple good runs by Bublik in the third round, Evans in the third round as well. Um, this is These are the only two tennis players for this company as of right now that I know of, and they've actually hopefully launched a store. That's a little little slight update for Yokosoi Tennis. I, know, I don't know if I've talked about them before on the podcast, but I know personally I've looked them up, and for anybody that doesn't know, that is the brand that Evans and Bublik wear, um, and they, are just, they have just released a store that they're working on on developing right now and you know i'm pretty interested in it um i'm pretty i'm pretty interested to see those shirts i'm gonna maybe look to cop one if they're not too expensive we'll see but now on to the main storylines of this tournament the nitty gritty the juicy we have nick kyrgios tweeting out oh who the hell is tom rinaldi lmao this guy knows nothing about tennis something along those lines that was not a direct quote and then you have literally later on that night or the next day, Tom Rinaldi inter- interviewing Kyrgios in the tunnel. I mean, that is just perfect. That's a, If that isn't a storyline, tell me what is. Kyrgios, he was... He was laughing in the tunnel. You could clearly see that he was amused that he still had to be interviewed by Tom Rinaldi. Um, you know, I think that when, you, when, you're, when you're talking about Kyrgios... I think he kind of likes people to play the game back at him. If he's going to joke around and do that, people are going to joke around with him back. And that's how you have to interact with Kyrgios. And ESPN doing this, you know, that Kyrgios starts laughing. He feels a bit embarrassed. And, you know, he's ESPN, that was a smart move. It makes good publicity, makes funny content. And, you know, Kyrgios, he was super happy to see that. I think I think that he... Um, uh, again, I think that he that he likes competition like that, and he likes people joking around. And the more about the more around like about joking around around tennis, the better. At the same time, we're not. I don't know. I'm not supporting everything Kyrgios does, but you know, I I do think tennis needs to lighten up a little bit, and that there's a lot of two people that are just too stuffy around the sport that you know don't really. Don't really make it appealing for people to watch. And that's what I want to do is make it appealing for people to watch the sport. Because, you know, tennis is, it's it's one of a kind and it's 
one of the most interesting sports in the world to follow. Um, but another thing is Zverev on Tsitsipas. Zverev, you know, talking some trash about him in the press conferences after Zverev's loss. And I love it. I I love all this trash talking. You know, you have this Vera versus CT Pass. They're both kind of like these golden childs of tennis for their country. And, you know, there's all these comparisons. Oh, like European, young, male, tall. Um, both, you know, they're both European. And all of a sudden you have them arguing, calling, you know, Making making fun of each other or not making fun of each other, just calling each other out. That's what Zverev was really doing to Tsitsipas, and you know he's kind of calling him a little bit immature. And to be honest, <laughs> Stefanos is he's pulling all these things like you know his shoes shoes breaking all this stuff, and that's what's make that's what's really the issue with this next gen. They're just too immature. They're they're not willing to really accept that they're not good enough as Roger and Rafa and. Um, Novak, and they need to get better. And Uncle Tony even talked about that, saying that team is the only one that has been coached correctly out of all these young guys and that we can't praise them yet because they're not good enough. And to be honest, I'm going to keep praising them, but I do agree with, with Uncle Tony that these young guys – just because they've whatever made it finals to made the finals of a Masters one thousand, maybe even won one, um, that doesn't mean they're good. These guys still get nervous. They're not they're not good and they use these BS tactics just like CC Pass does and you know, Alex Varev calling him out. Let's create a little bit of rivalry in the sports. Create some storylines, butt some heads, make some people not like each other. You know, that's that's what tennis is missing. There's no villainism in it. There's no there's no way that like that, that creates sides. I don't, I don't know. I think that this would be a good dynamic if this could continue on. If we see Zverev and Tsitsipas who are, you know, going to face up 20, 30 more times in their career, if they can start hating each other, I could likely see that as a great rivalry developed across, you know, tennis for the next 10, 20 years. And they're going to need to latch onto something like that for when Federer and um, Djokovic and all them leave. So, you know, tennis needs to latch on to something like that, and I don't think that's a bad, that's a bad look. Um, another thing to be noted is Chorich. He uh, pulled out of the tournament with an injury, and Kevin Anderson, for that matter. These guys haven't had the best years injuries-wise. You know, we hope they get better, but the U.S. Open wasn't anything great for him. And, you know, before we, um, before I rip into a couple predictions for the rest of the tournament, one thing, Delpo lost 55 rankings this week. You know, that's just a little bit uh, ridiculous. He was, what, the finalist last year? And he dropped all the way 55. I think he's in the 70s now. So, Rip Delpo, we got some news about him later on in the episode after Big Moves Only. But, you know... Rip Delpo for now. So predictions-wise, I'm looking at the rest of this draw, and to be honest, out of this top half, I'm gonna like it's Medvedev. It's gonna be Medvedev versus Federer, I believe, and you know that's a flip of a coin match. I like, I like Medvedev. Or sorry, sorry. You know what? I 
I can't decide here, but I'm going to go Federer. I like Federer over Medvedev. Federer in the finals against Nadal over Schwartzman. I'm going to go Berrettini over Mofi. Nadal over Berrettini, a Fedal final. I think that would make everything, everybody happy. I think Federer is going to win the U.S. Open. Um, I know my Novak prediction didn't quite pan out, and I was rooting for Stan. I really was um, pulling for Stan to, you know, Take take out this whole tournament, take it take it home, but he wasn't able to do it, and looks like um looks like Federer is gonna come in and take this take this title away from Nadal or from uh from Novak. Although Medvedev is playing incredible and Nadal is too, so we'll see. But a Federal final, I think, is something that everybody wants to see, and you know I'm, I'm I would I would definitely be looking forward to it, and plus that would get insane media coverage same day as. You know, all, all, all football starting. That is a little bit of a shame, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how the U.S. Open uh, finishes out. You know, we'll be live tweeting it at the, at Morning Bagel Pod on Twitter. Um, but yeah, let's let's move straight into big moves only because that kind of recaps um, my the U.S. Open review so far. So let's move straight into big moves only. Big moves only. Featuring Grigor Dimitrov. This week's Big Moves Only features Grigor Dimitrov. He started the week ranked 78 and was really on the downfall of his career this year. And had started the summer with a loss to Kevin King, the United States player in Georgia. Or, he played him in Atlanta. Um, who never won an ATP match. And he's ranked in the 400s and Dimitrov lost to him. Uh, as of recording this podcast, Grigor is making a 36 ranking jump all the way up to 42. Uh, he won his first match this week in the U.S. Open against Paolo Lorenzi, where he took Demi took him out in four. In the second round, Demi got lucky when Borna Chorich retired due to an injury. And this put him straight through into the third round, where he took on Camille Mashrock. Um he then advanced to the fourth round where he took on Greg, or Alex Demonor, and that's where he is now to the quarterfinals, taking on Federer as I speak. Um, if he makes it to the semifinals, this would be his third semifinals of all time and his first since the 2018 in the Australian Open. If he makes the quarterfinals, still an incredible achievement and an incredible comeback for Gregor considering his circumstances. Um, now onto the tactical part of his game, you know, he's kind of known for his, this running forehand. Legend has it, you know, that it's the best running forehand in the game. His backhand is a bit shaky, probably ranks him on one of the worst one-handed backhands on tour. Um, but his key to success is really his physicality. They say he's the most fit player on tour and can play in the most extreme conditions. I believe, you know, that's why he plays well in the on Australia and the US Open, just because the conditions are so harsh in the on the hardcore season, um, in the Australian summer and the U and the hard, American summer. So I think that's why that's why he does so well during those two seasons. But, you know, we love Demi at the morning bagel. We're all team Demi here. Um, we hope he continues to play well, carries this U.S. Open straight into a good indoor season. We've seen that with a few people. You know, maybe he can catch some people sleeping at Rolex Masters in Paris and gain some points, move up the rankings there. Um, but, you know, we love him. We love him here at the Morning Bagel and wish him best of luck. Um, it's like he's been reborn, really, and we love to see it. So, go Dimitrov. So that brings us to the end of the episode here today. Um, one final thing, you know, King Delpo, the Tandil Tower, the Argentinian 
I don't know, it starts with an A, Argentinian beast, whatever. He's coming back this indoor season after the U.S. Open. He makes his return in, I believe it's Stockholm, or I know he's playing in Stockholm. So, you know, we'll be happy to see Delpo back. We were nervous we weren't going to see him back in tennis at all, but he's made it back. So, congrats to Delpo. And final piece of news was that Jack Sock seemed to be announced as the last Labor Cup player. You know, can I, I hope we can get a check on this. This came up at some screen at the U.S. Open that said Jack Sock was going to be it. But I hope to God this isn't true because Jack Sock's in nowhere fighting condition and would get demolished by any of these top guys such as Rafa um, or Fed or even my guy Foggers. You know, he's going to – Jack Sock's too out of shape to take down my, my guy Foggers. But anyway, um, I hope that's not true. Let's 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 pray that it's not because or else this Labor Cup's gonna be a bloodbath. Um, so that's pretty much all I've got for you today. Let me know if you guys liked the episode. Uh, remember to give me some feedback at Morning Bagel Pod on Twitter. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna the episode and.